You're listening to an Influicity podcast. You're tuned in to the Manjeet Minhas podcast. Welcome to the Manjeet Minhas podcast. In each episode, I speak with some of the most notable business leaders of today. And today we're talking with Lisa Listen. She began her journey as an associate marketing specialist where she worked her way up to where she is today, the president of FedEx. Not only is she a massive player in the business, but she's also a mother of four and an author of the book, Resilience, Navigating Life, Loss, and the Road to Success. Lisa, thanks for joining me today on the podcast. You have had an amazing and very interesting, not only life, but career and personal journey. And so I guess we should just get right into it. Talk to me a little bit about your beginnings. Well, uh, first of all, thanks so much for having me. And it's great to, to see you again. Uh, yeah, so I've had a, a, a very kind of interesting life so far. Um, basically, uh, uh, met my husband at, in high school. We were high school sweethearts, which was very rare. And after I graduated from Guelph University, I applied for a job at FedEx because I'm a huge believer in culture and I have a degree in marketing and I'm, I just believe in culture. Like there's that phrase that says your culture will eat your strategy for breakfast. So I really admired what I read about FedEx and the culture and applied entry level. And uh, my husband got a job and we're, you know, uh, starting to work our way up. And unfortunately, um, I lost my, uh, my father to brain cancer. Um, he was only 47. Um, and then t- two years later, we lost his mother to brain cancer, which is quite odd. Less than 1% of the population actually gets brain cancer. So here we are and starting to learn about how to deal with grief at a young age. And I kept saying, you know, we need to find the life lessons in this. And we end up carrying on and, and having babies because I'm a firm believer in uh, you can have a career and have a family and one should not have to come at the expense of another. So I was having uh, children. I had four, three girls and a boy. And working my way up through FedEx uh, to a vice president. And when my husband and I actually were coming home uh, from our cottage vacation, when our kids were little, nine, seven, five, and three, uh, we put the kids to bed to go back to work the next day. And he ended up suffering a, a massive heart attack. I heard a thump in the middle of the night and found him on the floor and did CPR. The paramedics came and they um, took him to our local hospital and they put him in a, a drug-induced coma for about a week because his brain started to swell from the lack of oxygen. And basically, Manjeet, um, about a week after his um, his uh, heart attack, they tried to um, wake him up and, and he wasn't coming around. So I had this team of doctors standing in front of me. And basically, they were saying, look, it, we think you should let him go. You know, we don't think there's... Uh, going to be a meaningful life. And I remember asking this question. Is there a flicker in his brain? They said, yes. I said, okay. And I said, do miracles happen in this hospital? And they put their heads down, Manjeet, and they said, absolutely. Miracles happen every single day. Right. And I said, well, you, you hook him up to whatever you need to because uh, he was only 38, high school sweetheart. And again, our kids were nine, seven, five, and three. Wow. It was the young family, and basically after two years of um, keeping him in a vegetative state, bringing him home every Sunday, I, I came to realize I wasn't getting my r- miracle, and um, I was forced to let him go. And then um, a year, almost the day that he passed away, I get a call from Memphis, which is where our head office is, 
And they said, congratulations. And I said, well, for what? And they said, uh, you're now going to be the first Canadian president of FedEx Canada and the first female to run a division of FedEx. And Manjeet, Manjeet that was uh, actually 10 years ago um, oh, wow. this past this past month. So well, happy 10th uh, anniversary. That's well, amazing. thank you. Thank you. So to say I've had to learn about resilience and how it's a muscle we all have. You don't have to be born with it. Um, how to learn to strengthen that because really the definition of resilience is getting through something, a life force, no matter how big or small and getting through that stronger than when you started. And I had to put my resilience muscle to the test to get through, uh, what I went through. So uh, it's uh, so when your question is, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on that's happened. That's for sure. That's definitely an understatement. I read on the weekend, your book, Resilience, and you know, it was an unbelievably heart-wrenching, but heartwarming story of your life and heart-wrenching in everything that you had to go through And one line stood out um, to me there when Dr. Jane, the doctor who provided care um, for Pat, said, when you suffer a loss, you can't let it define you. And I sat on that for a little while, actually, thinking that is very true because not only loss in um, human life, um, I have been fortunate not not to lose any of my parents or anybody close to me. But failure, I was thinking about also, right? In a lot of different ways, we fail in a lot of different ways we feel in our personal lives or in our career or as entrepreneurs. Um, and, and that was really interesting that the doctor said that. And so talk to me a little bit about how you actually not only, um, were strong for yourself, but your four kids and to make sound decisions during um, those two years and and after, but especially during those really uncertain two years? Yes. Uh, well, I, uh, Dr. Jane, you know, I, she just, she was an angel who really helped me during those tough times. And, and it's interesting because when she said, you can't let a, a, lo- a loss define you, you can apply that to many things in life. Like you, and to me, it's really about, you can't let your past define you. So if you're an entrepreneur and your first business did not work out, don't let that define you. If you didn't get that promotion you wanted, or you didn't, or if you were unfortunate, you, you suffered a massive loss like I did. It's so important to not let our past define us moving forward because it can be debilitating and it could prevent us from reaching our true potential. So what she taught me in those very profound words were, you have to look at your past for life lessons. So if things didn't work out, whatever those things may be, I believe it wasn't meant to be. What life lessons can you learn from those to then help you really tackle and embrace and and attract what's really meant to be in your life. So that's kind of those profound words that really helped me. And, and what I took away from that is this. All too often, we're doing two things. We are either living in the past of things that didn't go well, when I always say we can't look back because we're not going that way. And if we're not living in the past, Manjeet, sometimes our minds worry about the future, like nonstop worrying. And there's this great quote that I read by Joyce Mayer. And the quote is this, worrying about the future is like putting a down payment on a problem you may never have. Mm. And it robs you and it robs you of the moment you're in. So what I also learned is really how to live in 24-hour increments. Only look back for a life lesson mm-hmm. and 
not worrying about the future because it robs you of the moment you're in and the impact you can have on the 24 hours in front of you. You know, unfortunately, you know, there's one thing we all share in common on this planet and that none of us know, none of us know what tomorrow brings. None of us. No, no matter who you are and what you do. So it really, ta- it really taught me to just truly live in the, the moments that are in front of us, those 24 hours. Yes, we have to plan for the future, but planning is one thing and worrying is something else. So she taught me about not letting the past define me, but I took that one step further to say, okay, well, then I'm not going to start worrying about a future that I don't know how that's going to play out. So I'm going to control what I can, let go of what I can't by focusing on what I can control right here and right now. That definitely takes not only a lot of strength, but a lot of resolve to understand that in the moment and not fall apart, and then to actually execute that. And so talk to me, how how do you speak to yourself? Like, how do you get those emotions and those feelings when you're facing adversity out? When this first started happening, I I was, I like, though during those two years, he was in a coma, and then right after he passed away, I mean, I was... I was trying to be strong for those two years because I'm a true optimist optimist person. So I was telling everyone, he's coming back. He's going to walk through those doors. So for the first two years, I was telling myself and believing that he was coming back because our thoughts are so powerful. Yes. The most, impor- the most important conversation we have in life truly is with ourselves because we believe what we think. So I was telling myself he was going to come back and I believed it. When he passed away, I really, really had some tough, tough days and weeks where I was saying to myself, I'm never going to be happy. I don't, th- I don't know how I'm going to raise four kids by myself, how I'm going to carry on as my job as a vice president. And what I started to realize, Manjit, is I was quitting before I was trying. Right. So what I, what I started to do is I started to say, okay, you know what? This is not getting me anywhere. I, I was having a hard time getting out of bed. And I said, you know what? I've got to change this inner voice. And my mom really helped me on this journey. I mean, she is just so close to me. I'm so grateful for her. But what she told me in my darkest days is she said this. She said, baby, life is not about what happens to you. It's about what you choose to do with what happens. So although you feel your life is spiraling out of control right now, you have a choice how you respond to this. And you can respond with optimism, with gratitude. She taught me the power of gratitude, Manjeet, because... I started realizing Patrick could have been in the car with my four kids when he had his heart attack. Very true. He could have been driving me when he had his heart attack. So I had to focus on, although I had lost him, I'm so grateful that he blessed me with four beautiful children, three daughters and a son who just exactly like him. And so these are the things So I started turning my sadness and my dark days into paying attention to what I was telling myself. And to starting to focus on what I'm grateful for. So every morning I get out of bed and I say, you know what? I am grateful for my health and my safety because everything else I can fix. And I teach my children that as well. And I go to bed every day being grateful for health and safety because right now that's what matters most of all. And everything else in our lives, we can fix either ourselves or through the help helps of others. And the other thing um, I started doing is I'm a firm believer in journaling, but I, I, I actually have a gratitude book and you can use any book. It doesn't have to be a special one. And what I started to do is on the left-hand side, I write down all the things I was grateful for. And on the right-hand side, I write my grateful intentions being things that I wanted to attract that have still yet to, to 
come to me through planning, etc. So these are the things that I did that helped me get out of those dark days. And also I had to realize that none of us are perfect. You know, it's, I had to cut myself some slack, you know, some days I'm sure you feel this way with your kids where I feel, oh my gosh, like I don't have enough time for them. Work so busy. And, and, and we all have down days. I still, I still have down days today. We all do. And it's okay to have those down days and give your permission, yourself permission to, because it makes the brighter days that much brighter. I love the gratitude angle because I don't think that we often sit back enough as a society or as individuals or even as women, to be quite honest, to think about all of the things that we do have rather than focusing on the problems and and the things that we don't have or wish we had. Um, but having said that, um, I heard you say, and I, and I, I, I read that you really um, are a goal setter. So talk to me a little bit about that, because I truly believe in setting goals too, but I do them for a different reason. I often do them so I'm unconsciously getting to a goal. I don't share them with anybody. They're very you know, close to me. Um, but talk to me about why and how you set goals. Sure. Um, so I, you know, they, they do say, and studies have proven that those people that set their goals, both personally and professionally, short-term and long-term are more successful than those that don't. So that is a proven fact, number one. Number two, it's important to write them down personally and professionally. It's important to stretch yourself and set some big goals. Like I did write down, I wanted to be the first Canadian and female president of FedEx. And that was one of the goals I had, which was a long-term goal. So, you know, you need to write them down. They also say that really helpful in your goals is to talk about them with others. Not all of them, because some of mine are private too, but to talk about them with others because you never know who you're talking to. If they can open up a door, like let's say you, you say, I want my dream job is to go work at ABC company. Start to talk about it because you might have a connection there. Then they also say um, visualization is huge. And I remember one of my mentors told me this and she would say, if you want to see yourself at that next level career-wise, visualize yourself there, but in a humble way. So start to act and think like that next level of promotion that you want to get, but do it in a humble way because it raises your game on how you think. And then the last thing I'll say, which is important about goals, is to carve out white space on your calendar. This was huge for me when Patrick passed away. And basically what that is, is I carve out several hours a week personally for pausing and reflecting um, you know, I, I, I hate exercise. I only run if someone's chasing me, but I try and get out there and do something, you know, like try and just power walk or something. Um, and then also I carve out time at work where I'm not in a meeting. I'm not on the phone. I'm not on a zoom call and I'm pausing and reflecting on my goals and my team. And people will say to me right now, okay, you're a widow and you're, you know, raising four kids and you've got this job and et cetera. And they're like, how do you do it? And if I had to pick one thing, Manji, I would say it's carving out that time because if we can't take care of ourselves, how can we take care of others? Very true. Very true. I think that often we forget that, right? We're just in the rat race or on the hamster wheel, um, taking care of everything else and everyone else and fulfilling our responsibilities, whether that be mom, you know, wife, daughter, daughter-in-law, all those personal things, friends, and then a leader and all of those other titles that we have um, in in our careers. Um, so tell me that 
how has your background and your experience with facing adversity and really tough challenges helped you during this global crisis as a mom and as a leader? It really, it really has taught me to appreciate, uh, Number one, how precious this life is, and it's such a gift. And number two, what it made me aware of is that everyone's got a story or something that they're dealing with. We don't know what that is, but just to always make sure that, you know, for my for my staff, I'm always checking checking in on them during like their health and and well-being. So it really taught me that, you know, when I when I when this first happened to Patrick. I was still coming to work after I got him settled in his, in his vegetative state. And a lot of people didn't know. And when they found it afterwards, they were like, I had no idea. So now when I meet people, I'm more empathetic to, you know, I hope they're doing okay. Um, I wonder, you know, if, if they're struggling with something, whether a parent that's got cancer or God forbid someone now that they know has got COVID. So what I've gone through has just taught me to be much more aware of the human side of people, certainly in the work environment. And then also, too, just now, obviously, you know, dealing with this pandemic, it's all over the news right now. You'll hear it everywhere is that stress levels are through the roof. Anxiety is through the roof. Mental depression is through the roof. Like this is taking its toll no matter who you are. And so, you know, one of the things that we've done many things, but, you know, we've always invested in mental health and awareness programs at FedEx and we just ramp them right up. Um, I'm always sending notes to the staff about making sure they're taking care of themselves and each other to raise their hand if they need help, that we're here for them. And so I think what I've gone through and then now during this pandemic, it just it just makes us realize how important it is that human connection is and how we have to take care of each other um, now more than ever and just check in on people. Um, I think more and more during this time, we're all discovering that we don't know what others are going through, um, you know, behind the scenes or at home or, you know, vice versa at the office. And so it's really, I think, um, more important now for us to be kind to each other and have more empathy in a time where usually we're all running at a pace that we're not actually asking each other how you are, how are things like um, that might seem, I think a lot of people think a small talk or fluff, but it really does make a difference when you when you just take a couple seconds to ask somebody how they're feeling. And it's up to them whether they decide to share or not. But Absol- absolutely, because some people don't want to, they're a bit personal, but I always just say, how are you feeling? And is there anything I could do to help you? Yeah, I think that's really important. And so um, do you think that as a woman um, leader, and I'm sure you're tired of hearing this question as am I, but do you think that as a, as a woman who is a leader, um, do you feel that you lead in a different way than a man might in your position, not only during the pandemic, but earlier in your career? I would say this. So, you know, in terms of leadership, to me, whether you're a male or female, what matters most is to make sure that you develop your own authentic leadership style. So I coach a lot of men and I coach a lot of women in leadership. And what I always say is this, and what I did when I did coming up through through the, through the ranks at, at FedEx is that I would look at leadership styles, regardless if they're a man or woman, and say, oh, I really like how they're handling that. Note to self. I would look at other leadership styles earlier on in my career, again, male or female, and say, "Mm, you know what, I've got to make sure I never do that. And then you have to bring it into your to your own authentic style. So, you know, I mentor some women that feel that they have to act a certain way and be, you know, a bit tougher than they are. And then but I, I say no, like just 
If your nature is to be a bit stronger, then go with that, but don't make it forced because people would pick up on that. But I also say too, it's important to also, when you have that pause and reflection time that I talked about, that white space on the calendar, self-awareness is huge as a leader. So always make sure during that pause and reflection time that I have, I always make sure that I'm saying, okay, am I happy with how I'm leading the team this week? My father always used to tell me, you've got two ears and one mouth for a reason. Are you listening twice as much as you speak? So I will make sure that I'm doing that. And so how would you describe your leadership style? I would say my leadership style is I'm a big believer of servant leadership and really think about that as like an upside down pyramid where um, my job is to serve my team and, and to make sure that they have what they need. You know, I would before COVID, now I do it on Zoom, but I always say to my team, how are you and how can I help you? I tell them, you guys create my to-do list. What am I putting on the list to improve the customer experience, to give, to make your uh, work life better, to give you more tools and resources? So they create my to-do list of the things that I work on to make this company as best as it can be for our customers and our employees. So I'm all about servant leadership. I'm also all about, you know, they all, you know, you can read these articles. There's a difference between a boss and a leader. A boss, you know, tells. And, and a leader will ask and a leader will listen. Um, I'm also a big believer too in being humble and approachable. I have seen so many people rise through the ranks um, and forget where they came from and lose the hum- lose being humble and then people feel that they're out of touch. I want my team to be comfortable telling me where we have pain points in our company and feel and, and, and approach me and be able to share with me what needs to be fixed. And if you're not humble and you're not approachable and you're not a kind person, they will clam up. And the best ideas we have as leaders come from those frontline employees who are in the trenches every single day. We'll be right back after a quick message from our sponsor. Did you start with this take on leadership? You know what? I can honestly say that I did, and I'll tell you why. So before I became a manager, I'm a firm believer in having mentors and sponsors. Like I honestly would not be here today without my mentors and sponsors, and I still rely on them today. So before I became a manager, um, I went and met with many different managers in the company, manager of finance and engineering and marketing, and I just asked them to sit down with me for over a cup of coffee and I asked them to share with me their, their career playbook, meaning, and I would ask them questions like, how did you get to be a manager? What was critical in your success? What do you wish you had it done differently? And then I would say to them, now that you've been a manager for three years and looking back now, are there, are there the things that you wish you hadn't done? And so many of them, Manjeet, they felt they had to prove themselves and just, you know, they were, and, and, and they realized they didn't need to be that way. And then, so, so some of them were saying they were so strong and come out of the gate so strong that they were losing their team and that emotional intelligence, which is a huge aspect of motivating and connecting with people. So I, luckily I got so many playbooks and that was a common theme that I had to make sure I wasn't, did I slip up? Of course we all do. I fall into that mode, but that's what self-awareness will do. And it, and it pulled myself back. So the career playbook and asking people for it, I would say really helped me to keep me 
in my unique leadership, my, my authentic leadership style that always remained a leader and getting out of that trap of falling into the boss category. I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I truly also believe in the power of mentors and mentorship. Um, and so is that one of the um, you know tips that you would give to people looking to advance their career um, and work their way to the top? Or what would you give as a tip? Yeah. So I would first say, number one, you got to write down those goals that we've covered off. Write down your goals. Right. Where do you want to go? So a lot of women that I mentor are saying, I want to have a different career. And I'm saying, okay, well, what do you want? They're like, well, I haven't thought about it. Well, you, you can't start down a path until you know where you're going. So I always just say, make sure you write down your goals, talk to people about them. The other thing that's important, though, I will say with your goals is figure out what baby step you can take tomorrow that you didn't do today. That's another important thing of achieving your goals. So when I had written down, I wanted to be a manager and I was in my white space thinking, what could I do tomorrow that I haven't done today? And that's when the idea came to go set up a few coffee meetings and ask for their playbook. And I don't think if I was in that pause and reflection moment, I would have done that. So the baby steps is important. Then I tell people, go and seek out mentors. And a lot of people are afraid to do that. But here's an easy way to break it down to help people say yes to you. Go up to people that you admire and say, listen, I'm only going to ask for 30 minutes of your time, either Zoom or over the phone. I'll give you the two or three questions in advance. Most people will say yes to that because you've given, you've boxed it into this is what I'm, this is what I'm asking. So I would say the goals, the baby steps, the talking about your goals, figuring out what you could do tomorrow that you didn't do today. And you'll surprise yourself what you can come up with when you're actually sitting thinking about it. And one of those steps leads to another. And then asking people to help you be successful, most people will say yes to that. Yeah, I think that's that's really um, on point that many of us are just scared to ask, right? And then we're scared to get a no back. Um, and then you do have to learn to negotiate that yes in somehow so it works for both parties, um, which I truly believe in also. I, I took some much um, more brash techniques to find my first mentors that I really wanted, you know, kind of stalking, I would, I would call it. Um, when, when, you know, when there wasn't so many different types of modes of communication as there is now, um, in order to get somebody's attention. But I, I really do think that that is important that you be persistent and, and, but you be reasonable on, on, on understanding the time commitment from the other side too. Cause I have definitely said that many times saying, sorry, I don't have time, but nobody's come back to me saying, you know, okay, just one 30 minute. And then, you know, that, that is more reasonable because you do imagine on the flip side of it, you, um, when somebody's asking even that it's going to be a long-term commitment and how are you going to fill it in and be fair? So I think that's a really good point. Um, so what do you feel, um, as women maybe now, not only during this pandemic, because of course women are facing a lot more pressures um, within their careers and and definitely at home, um, that that women are facing in business though that we're not talking about. I, well, I would say right now the biggest thing is as I mentor, as I mentioned, I mentor a lot of women, and what I'm finding right now are I've, some of the women that I'm mentoring have had to take a leave from from work and it's breaking their hearts because they've got young kids at home you know 975 um they they you know don't have the daycares aren't really really opening 
right now, or they don't have support in the home um, and their partner's working from home. And so what they were doing is taking care of their kids during the day and then staying up all night to complete their work. And they were just walking zombies. So, so, and I've talked to quite a few that are actually sobbing on the phone because they chose to work. They, they like to work, but right now they, they can't. And so, you know, we're hearing now that the pandemic is, is affecting uh, women more so than men in terms of their career. And uh, so we're, I, I joined a, a group of, of women called that belongs to the Prosperity Project. And what we're trying to do is help bring awareness to the fact that quite a few women, a lot of women are, are, are you know, giving up their career or their careers being impacted. And so what we're trying to do is figure out what, how, how can we help support women in this time um, during this pandemic when they, they have young children and they, it's impossible for them to work full-time hours in the house. Like, what can we do to support them? Um, how can we help them? So, so I think right now, um, I'm in, I also belong to the Business Council of Canada, um, which is at 165 or so CEOs across Canada. And on our last um, Zoom call we had, we were talking about this, like, how can we support women in this environment um, to help them be successful? So I'm just hoping more CEOs and more companies just acknowledge that, you know, women are struggling right now more than when, and what else can we do to help them? Can we give them a, a special project? Can we lengthen the time frame for which they have to hit a deadline? Like, how can we be accommodating um, for their current environment? And I, I, I don't think it's getting talked enough right now. So I'm trying to do my best to raise, to raise awareness for that. That's probably is the biggest thing that I worry about with respect to women in the working environment. I completely agree. I think that, you know, um, as women, we all didn't necessarily realize all the things that we were juggling even beforehand. Uh, you know, talking about your career, when you started at FedEx, at what point did you have the motivation to climb to the top of the corporate ladder? When did you feel that I want to do this and I can do this and have confidence in your own talent and skills? Not right away, for sure. So I started out entry level uh, marketing position, and um, and uh, just starting to get to know the company. And I was very fortunate. I'll tell you this: that I had a I had a female manager and a female director um, that um, were fantastic with me and started giving me advice. You know, saying, "Look at." you know, we, we believe in you and, uh, you know, it's important to believe in yourself and we're here to support you. Um, and they would always, you know, give me feedback. It was through them and through the encouragement of other people and also some other um, men in the company. It wasn't just these two females I was very blessed to work for, but other men in the company that started uh, telling me, look, at you've got great potential. You need to start planning a career. And, and I will never forget that. So a lot of because a lot of time they do say there's this this confident gap that exists with women, and they say that you know a man will go for a position when he's sixty percent ready, and for women we have to wait till we're one hundred and ten percent ready. If I'm promoting a manager's job, and I think some of these women, I'm hoping will go for it, and I'm not seeing them put their name in, I will go up and say to them. You know, why are you putting your name in, in for the manager? Well, I want to start a family. I'm like, well, that shouldn't stop you. So that, I would say, was critical. So I give so many people advice in leadership positions. When you see potential, not just for women, but also for some men, make sure you tell them they're doing a great job, that they've got a bright future, and to keep pushing forward. 
I love that, that you should plan a career because I agree with you. Why not? Why should you go um, monotonously into something day after day, just as you plan everything else from, you know, trips to your kids, um, you know, activities to meals. You should plan your career since you spend so much time and energy in it. I think that's really great. Thank you once again, Lisa. I really appreciate your time, um, your insight and your, and your candor. Thank you so much. This was really a fascinating conversation and I loved all the insight. Thanks for talking with me today, Lisa. Make sure to join us next week for an all new episode of the Manjeet Minhas podcast.